God won't promise something He won't fulfill. This is the first message in the series, Discover. The message is entitled, The Power of a Promise. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets. They're going to be online there for you. And as you do that, we're going to dive in to a brand new series of messages that I'm extremely excited about for the month of December. We're into the Christmas season. Into this Christmas season, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the, the various various elements of things that Joseph and Mary discovered during the first Christmas. And so the title of this series is Discover, and I want to talk to you this weekend about the power of a promise, the power of a promise. Now, Christmas is, is commonly celebrated in our culture with a little bit of mystery and a little bit of discovery. You understand what I mean by this into this Christmas season. Christmas gifts are, are wrapped up, and they're sort of mysteriously hidden, and, and we don't quite know what they are, and if it's like it is at my house when the grandkids come in, they make their way very quickly to the Christmas tree, and they start picking up packages, and the first thing they look for is their name on a package, and then they start shaking it and looking at the different sizes of the boxes and wondering what's on the inside. There's a mystery associated with packaging Christmas, sharing gifts with one another. And opening up those gifts, whenever you might do it as you're in your family tradition, whether it's on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, when you open up that gift, there is a discovery moment. You're discovering what has been hidden. You're discovering something that has been mysterious for a period of time, what has been hidden in some way for you. And so I want to talk to us about this first Christmas and some things that Mary and Joseph discovered in that first environment, their first encounter and experience with God, and some very, very significant things. And I want to talk this weekend, as I said a moment ago, about this whole idea of their what I believe one of their first discoveries would have been as they're now moving toward the first Christmas, it's the discovery of the power of God's promises. The discovery of the power of the promises of God. And so this weekend, I want to help all of us to unwrap that gift, to open up that package, and to discover on the inside of Christmas, if you will, that very first Christmas, I want us to discover the power of the promises of God. Now, for us to understand the power of the promises of God, we need to, first of all, understand something about the promises of God. And so I want to lay a little bit of a foundation for you this week and in terms of an understanding of what we mean when we use the phrase, the promises of God. God's promises are words through Scripture, and we'll emphasize that more in just a moment, that declare and assures us through the pages of His Word and through the power of his Holy Spirit, he assures and declares to us what he's going to do or what he's going to accomplish in our lives in a variety of ways. So God gives you a promise, and when he gives you a promise, it's God saying through his word, I am going to do this. You can be assured of it. I will accomplish this in your life. Now, we, we have a lot of examples of that in the Bible. God spoke to, to Abraham, and Abraham was reminded of God and given a promise from God that he was going to have a son. He waited 25 years, yes, for it to happen, but God eventually gives him Isaac, and that promise was fulfilled. Moses experiences many promises being fulfilled by God. David does. We could go through the pages of Scripture and look at all the great men and women of the Bible, and we'll see moments when God spoke various things into their lives and said, I am going to do this for you. I'm going to accomplish this in your life. Now, when we talk about the promises of God, they're promises that are available to us. 
when you're going through a time of need. You can take hold of Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you're, uh, when you're worried about being able to handle something, you can lay claim to the promise of God in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you're worried about being all alone and feeling as though no one is with you, you can claim the promise of Matthew 28. God, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so there are promises in the Bible that have impact upon our lives. Let me share with you, when we're talking about sort of laying the foundation of what God's promises are all about and discovering the power of those promises in our lives, let me lay out six things for you that that represent the, the power, the significance of God's promises. First of all, God's promises are always backed by His character. The reason that we can trust what God says He's going to do is because God has character. God has integrity. That is, humans are fickle. God is not. When God says something, He always does it. Listen to Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not human that He should lie, not a human being that He should change His mind. Does He speak and then not act? Does He promise and not fulfill? Obviously, the answer to that is no. God God never speaks and doesn't act. He always promises everything He fulfills. He is a God of character. The second reason we have the, have the ability to believe and trust in the promise of God is because God's promises are always backed by His ability. Any promise is only as good as the ability of someone to deliver on it. I could promise you all kinds of things and maybe be very sincere in trying to make a promise to you, but if I don't have the resource to back up the promise, then that promise has no meaning. And we have to remember that God is well able to do any and everything that he promises to do. He is not lacking in ability. Romans 4, 20, 20, 21 says, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That's God speaking, speaking of God's interaction with Abraham. Abraham was fully persuaded that God had power to do everything that he promised. And then thirdly, God's power, God's promises, I should say, are to be trusted because of his faithfulness. That God is faithful, that's part of his character. And that means this, it means that even though a promise is delayed, a delay does not mean a denial. And so God is going to produce. It may take time. He's working things according to his timing and will in our lives. But anything that God promises, we can trust in the faithfulness of God, even though it may take some time for that promise to be fulfilled. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he, God, remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And then number four, God's promises are an expression of his love and goodness. We can trust God's promises because of his his goodness, his love and goodness. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. He says, I'm not going to withhold anything from you that is good for your life because of my love and my goodness. He is a tremendous, loving, the supreme parent that cares for us. And then fifthly, we are encouraged to claim God's promises. We're going to get to that in a moment as we take a look at Joseph and Mary as well as we're looking at in this Christmas season. But God says, now that I speak something to you, I I want you to lay claim to what I speak to you. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, listen to this. 
For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So God says, every promise in this book called the Bible is available for you. I've said yes in Christ to every promise, but you have to add something to the equation. You add your amen to my yes. What that means is this. When God has said, yes, that's a promise for you, then you come along and say, Lord, I say, amen, so be it. That's what amen means. So be it, you lay claim to it. Now, if, if someone were to give you a, a massive, wonderful, generous check, just a significant amount of money, but it was written in the form of a check, and they gave that to you, and you knew that they had the money, it was, there was no question about their ability to actually make good on that check. But if you were to take that check and just put it in a drawer, drawer at home and, and just say, hey, it's wonderful, look at this, I've got an amazing check here that's been given to me, it's fantastic, and you go and look at it from time to time and talk to other people about this great check you have, but you still live in poverty, then there's something, there's something wrong with that picture, right? See, a check is given to you so that you can actually take it to the bank and you endorse the check that has been given to you, and then that check is cashed and you have, a, you have the resources available for your, your utilization. Well, the same is, is sort of true with the promises of God. It's a similar uh, analogy that God says, here's a promise for you. I'm promising you this, but I'm asking you to endorse it. I'm asking you to add your amen to my yes. And so you sign the check and say, Lord, I claim that as being real in my life. There are a lot of Christians who know the promises of God, and they, they sort of pull it out of the drawer from time to time and, and say, yeah, yeah, that's a great promise, but they never actually claim it and, 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 and gain the benefit and the resource of that promise in their day-to-day -day living. And then the sixth thing that I want to mention here is that God's promises are found in his word, the Bible. How do you know what God promises you? You know how God, what God promises primarily through the pages of Scripture. That the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is, a, is, is many things to us. It gives us warnings, instructions, guidelines, precepts, and principles to follow. But there are also promises in the pages of Scripture. And so part of our task as believers is to dig into this book as though it were a treasure chest, because indeed it is, and to look for, yes, the principles and the precepts and the laws of God and the instructions of God and the warnings of God, but to also look for the promises that are in this book. And they're all through the pages of Scripture. And that when God gives us a promise, when we come upon a promise, the Bible says that Jesus has already said yes to that promise for us, and we lay claim to it in our lives. Think about what a different life you would live if you really live under the influence of the promises of God, if they were controlling your life, if you believed God's promises above even circumstances you face in life. Isaiah 55, 11 says, in the same way, God says this, my words, which include his promises, leave, leave my mouth and they don't come back without results. My words make the things happen that I want to happen. They succeed in doing what I send them to do. So God says, everything that I promise, when you lay claim to it, it can become yours in Christ Jesus, but you have to get into the pages of Scripture to discover the promises of God. Now, I'm going to take you to the, the story of Mary and Joseph now. We want to see in this story of Mary and Joseph, we want to see their discovery of the power of the promises of God in their own lives. 
Because Mary and Joseph, when they had this encounter with the angels and the, the, the message comes to them about the birth of the Christ child, they are now going to, for the first time perhaps in their life, really discover how God's promises work for them. Let me take you first to Luke chapter 1, and I'll begin in verse 26, and we see the annunciation, the fact that uh, the angel Gabriel comes and announces the, uh, the, the potential birth of the Messiah to Mary for her to respond to that call of God. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, or went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. Now, let me stop there for a moment, because what I'm about to read, you're going to discover one word repeated over and over again. That word is will. God says, this is what I will, I want to do in your life. Here's a promise for you. Notice how many times the will is used here, God's will now in the form of a promise. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God, for you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will, that's promise, will give him the throne of his father David. And he will, there's another promise, reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Are you seeing all these promises? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will promise there, will come on you, and the power of the Most High will, another promise, overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will, in that word used quite frequently in this passage, will be, be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be, to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What I want you to see is this encounter that Mary has with the angel Gabriel is filled up with promises. God comes to her and he speaks promise into her life. And what I want you to begin to see today in your own life is I want you to see that God by his word and by his spirit wants to step into your life, come into your life, speak into your life, just a, a massive sense of promise. He did this for Mary. Obviously, it was a very unique situation that she's going to be the bearer of the Christ child. But God, in his own way, wants to come into your life today, and he wants to speak promise to you. God is the God of promises. A similar thing happened to Joseph. Let me take you now to Matthew chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 18 and see the promise that God spoke into Joseph's life. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will, here's that phrase again, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. In both of these accounts, Mary, yes, with the angel Gabriel, Joseph with the angel of the Lord that came and appeared to him. In both of these accounts, the Lord shows up in the lives of Joseph and Mary. And in addition to giving them some information and some instruction and some calling for their life, he also gave them his great and precious promises. He said, this is what I want to do in your lives. Here's the promise for your future. And this, notice this, this this, this experience they had with the promises of God changed the lives of this young couple. They were never, ever the same again. Their entire life and the trajectory of their life changed. Why? Because they were recipients of the promises of God. I want to tell you today that God's promises can change your life and will change your life if you will believe them. Had Mary and Joseph chosen not to believe, if they'd chosen to sort of fail to sign the check and endorse the check and lay claim to it in their life and walked away from the opportunity, they would have missed the plan that God had for them. But they said yes and amen to the promise of God. Whatever you want, Lord, in our lives, that's what we want. And they went from a place of being disturbed by the news to being excited because of the promises of God. So Joseph and Mary believed God's promises. And if it happened for Joseph and Mary, here's what I'm, oh, I want to communicate into your spirit this weekend. If the promises of God change Mary and Joseph's life, lives, the promise of God can change your life too. That right now that you can be, begin to receive a promise for your future. Now I'm going to share with you four things that will begin to happen in your life when you receive the promises of God. And this is actually what, what I could say here is these are, these are things, these are what I would call sort of consequences of being a recipient of the promises of God. This is what starts to occur. This is how your life begins to change. Four areas of your life will radically change when you become a recipient of God's promise. Let me say it one more time. I just feel so urged by the Holy Spirit to communicate this to you. God has promises that he wants to speak into your life right now. Yes, this very first weekend of December 2020, God says, I want to infuse you with promise. Just like I infused Mary with a promise and Joseph with promises, I want to infuse you with some promises that will change your life. How will it change your life? Well, number one, God's promises always will refocus us. How you live your life and what you experience in life is, is determined in large part by your focus. I like to think of it like a, like a camera, that what you see through the lens of a camera depends upon how well it's in focus and what you're focusing toward. The same is true for your life. Whatever you're focusing on, it's going to be what you see. And what the focus of your life is, is going to determine how you live your life. And a lot of people are living their lives with the wrong focus because they're not focused on the promises of God. And so because they're not focused on the promises of God, they're focused on the attractions and pleasures of sin or the world around them. 
They're focused on the fulfillment of their own selves. They got the things they want to do in their life. And so uh, they're all about themselves or they're trying to achieve certain things in life or reach certain life goals that actually exclude God. And so they're focused on things that have nothing to do with God. And because of this, they're living with this lack of proper focus. Some people, even as Christian believers, uh, have have a divided focus. They're trying to live looking at two separate things. They, they, they're trying to look at the world around them and, and gain the, the focus of the world and focus on things of the world and trying to follow God at the same time. And so they're torn in their life. They have a divided focus. Some folks have a wrong focus completely. Some folks have a divided focus. And the problem with a divided focus, you end up sitting on a fence. And I heard an old statement that said, blessed are those that sit on the fence for they shall be shot from both sides. And that's how it works. You're never going to be happy when you're sitting on a fence. Your focus is divided. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. You can't have a divided focus. He will hate the first master and love the second or will be devoted to the first and despise the second. And in this case, he's talking about wealth. You cannot serve God and wealth. Nothing wrong with wealth. He's saying you just can't serve it. And so he says, if, some, if you're trying to serve God and money at the same time, it's going to be, you're never gonna win. You're gonna be miserable. You, you'll either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. It's never gonna be a happy life because your focus is divided. That's why the psalmist prayed this in Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will tell you this, that your focus matters. And there's only one focus that's worth having. And a fo that focus is a focus upon God and a focus upon his will. And the only thing that will clear up that focus so that you're only thinking about God is really there are actually two things that will clear it up. First of all, the fear of God's punishment. A lot of people are living under the fear of God's punishment, so they're trying to serve God so they won't be punished. But the better aspect of this is to, to actually have your focus changed by the discovery of God's promises. Please notice going back to Mary and Joseph, they were not worried about God's punishment. They were focused on God's promises. So the promise of God cleared up the focus of their life. It moved them from just thinking about their upcoming marriage and what they were planning to do. And now there's suddenly vehicles or vessels through which the holy child, the Messiah, is going to be born into the world. There's nothing like the discovery of God's promises to refocus your life. It's part of what happens. John chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. There was a lady that came to Jesus one day. Actually, she's brought there by the Pharisees. She's been caught in the act of adultery. And so she feels like her future is really blown. It's all over with. And of course, eventually all the Pharisees leave as Jesus confronts them with their own sins. And now notice what happens in verses 10 and 11 of John chapter 8. Until finally, Jesus was left alone with a woman standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Here's what I want you to see. Go and from now on be free of a life of sin. Here was a lady that was brought to Jesus, caught in an act of sin. And Jesus ministered to her in such a way that she leaves him with promise for her life. So God's promises refocus life upon what matters. You need the promise of God because you need the right focus in your life. Number two. God's promises inspire us. You're going to either live an inspired life or an uninspired life. There are a lot of people living an uninspired life, and that results in a lot of drudgery and reactionary living and passionless living and sort of a survival mentality. 
And even though life is not always easy and exciting, an inspired life is a whole lot better to live than an uninspired life because when you have an inspired life, at least you have some vision and some purpose. The word inspire, inspiration in the Greek language literally means to breathe or put wind into. So that's what inspiration does for your life. It, it puts wind in, into your life. We might say it this way. When you're without inspiration, you're, you're deflated. There are a lot of people that have lost the air on the inside. It's like a balloon that's lost all the air. A basketball that's flat. has nothing on the inside. And what God's promises will do for you is that God's promises will put air inside of that basketball. It will put air inside of that balloon. It puts something on the inside of you that inspires you to make it through life. It may not always be easy and will not always be easy, but the promises of God speak something into your life. Psalm 119, verse 140. All your promises, the psalmist says, glow with fire. That's why I'm a lover of your word. The promise said every time, the, the, the psalmist said, every time I, I get into your word and I discover your promises, it's like getting fire on the inside of me. I start burning within in a positive way with fervency and with inspiration. Joseph and Mary were inspired by God's promises to them. They were so inspired that their entire life, life plan changed. Thirdly, God's promises will assure us that when you get a promise from God on the inside of you, you've discovered the promises of God's word for your life. What happens is it begins to assure you. It puts you in this position of knowing that I am assured of being taken care of in my future. It was very clear that when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, first of all, and announced that she was to be the bearer of the Christ child, she, the Bible says that she was deeply troubled. She was very much afraid. That word for trouble speaks of being agitated, fearful on the inside. She didn't know. She couldn't figure out what this was all about. But by the time she now responds and listens to the angel Gabriel, by the time we come to the end of that encounter, instead of being troubled, she's amazed and pleased by what God had done because there's insurance that comes. The same is true for, for Joseph, that Joseph, first of all, is planning to put, put Mary away quietly and to, to be done with that relationship. But after the angel comes and speaks to him about the future and the Messiah being born through Mary, he's now assured that everything is going to be all right. What gave them assurance? What gave them assurance was the fact that God showed up and put promise into their life. Maybe you're facing some intimidation in your life today. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety and worry. Maybe you're wondering about the future, just like Mary was when the angel spoke to her, or just like Joseph was trying to figure out what to do with the circumstance he found himself in. He didn't know what to do, but God comes along with promises, and God says, I've got this under control. You may not understand everything right now, but I promise you, you're going to get through this, and it's going to be good. And I want to tell you today that you're going to get through Whatever you're going through in your life, hold on to the promise of God. You're going to get through it, and it's going to be good. God's promises assure you. They give you a certainty, assurance on the inside that you can't find from anything else. The last thing that I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the fact that God's promises will give you direction. God's promises are wonderful because they do these things for us. That's why you need them. Just like Mary and Joseph discovered the power of God's promises, you need to discover. I need to discover the power of God's promise in my life. And number four, God's promises give us direction. If you look at the story of Mary and Joseph, you will see that, that Mary and Joseph's lives were redirected completely by the promises of God. They had a life plan 
And they were working that plan. They were planned to be married. And so they'd gone actually from down to Bethlehem to, or they were planning to go down to Bethlehem to be, uh, go through the census and all these things that were part of their life. And they were making these plans for their future and what their life would be like together. And then God steps in and gives them a calling and a promise. And it redirected them. When God's promises get in you, they actually give direction to your life. There's a lot of people that are directionless. They don't know where they're going. They have no idea what life means to them and where they need to be headed in life because they don't have any of the promise of God inside of them. So that's why you need God's promise inside your soul, inside your spirit, because it will direct you to your destiny. See, Mary and Joseph found their destiny by the promise of God inside of them. And it's very, very sad how many people either have no direction at all or going in the wrong direction because they're following either their personal plans or kind of making it up for themselves or they're controlled by their personal fears or their fears are actually directing them uh, and they're, or they're living under some kind of set of limitations that God never intended for them to live under. And so they're living in this fear, personal pathway of life and, and, and they don't have any direction because they don't have a promise. All through the pages of Scripture, you will see how people's lives were directed when the promise of God came to them. Noah's life was directed when God spoke to him and said, I have a promise to take care of you and your family if you'll build an ark. And so that directed Noah's attention. We've talked about Abraham. Abraham's entire life was changed when God showed up and said, leave your country and go to the land that I will show you and I will make out of you a great nation. That promise directed Abraham's life. Jacob's life was directed by the promises of God when he was in that situation about to face his brother, but he found the promise of God at the brook Jabbok, and it turned everything in the right direction for him. Peter and James and Andrew and John, they found direction for their life when Jesus walked by them on the seashore of Galilee and said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There's the promise. Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I will do this for you. And so they left their boats and left their nets and they followed him. Why? Because of a promise that was given to them. Saul of Tarsus, his entire life was changed on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus and he received the promise of God in his own life, an understanding that Jesus was the resurrected Savior and wanted to come into his life and he received the promise of salvation and Saul of Tarsus, as you perhaps well know, became the Apostle Paul. And I want to tell you that in your life right now that God has a promise for you that will will move you toward your destiny. If you're serving your own plans or if you're living under the influence of fear or the influence of other people that are leading you in the wrong direction or maybe you're living under some limitations that God never intended you to live under, just like Mary and Joseph received the promise of God and it moved them forward in the, de in, in the direction that produced their destiny. We're talking about them today, Mary and Joseph, because they received the promise of God and they ended up in the destiny God planned for their life. The same can be true for you. What are God's promises? They're found right here in this book called the Bible. And this is a treasure chest that when you open up the pages of Scripture, you say, God, show me your promises. I want to understand the promises of God. And maybe you'll get out a highlighter and you'll highlight that promise that God will speak to you as you're reading his word. And maybe you'll write it down and say, I'm going to claim that promise. I'm signing my name to that check. I'm believing that that's going to be real in my life. And then you you understand that that promise begins to give you focus for your life. You begin to see things differently. Your focus shifts from the world to God. And you begin to find that that, that, that promise gives some, some air to you. It gives you inspiration on the inside. And that promise begins to give you assurance that you may not understand exactly how it's going to happen. Mary and Joseph didn't understand all the details, but they trusted God with the details. 
And they had the assurance that God was in control and God was going to make it happen according to his power and will. And, and they had the, the direction that led them to their destiny. Can I encourage you today to get into this book and realize this book is a book of discovery. And in this book, I, think I, can, I can discover the promises of God that will focus me, inspire me, assure me, and give me the direction that I need for my life. Would you bow your head with me as we pray together? Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're grateful for the amazing story of Mary and Joseph and how they experienced and discovered the tremendous power of the promises of God. And Lord, I feel so strongly this weekend that you want to speak promise into the lives of people. Some, Lord, have lost total promise for their life. They're wondering if their life has any meaning or purpose at all. Some are just right on the edge. Others have, have focused on the ways of the world or focused a, in, in a divided way upon you and, and, and trying to sort of live with a divided focus. But Lord, I pray that in this moment that you would turn our attention to the tremendous promises of Scripture. Let them become real and alive to us. And I pray that as they do, our focus would clear up, our inspiration would rise, Lord, that an assurance would come into our hearts. And Father, you would give us a, a direction that would lead us to our destiny. Lord, we pray that we would be recipients of and discover the power of your promises. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.